an hour of truth for the battered but proud people of the Empire State. From the financial and entertainment epicenter of New York City to the sleeping and empty small cities and towns of upstate, which once bustled with manufacturing, mining, and farming. We all know from inspiration, history, and nature, we deserve a return to the success and growth of generations past, a birthright being squandered by corruption in Albany, and the depredations of an insecure, scheming mountebank posing as governor, who loathes both us and himself. As liberty beckoned to enslaved peoples behind the Iron Curtain via American broadcasts after World War II, we now say, believe, rise, and join us. Welcome to Radio Free New York. Hey guys, welcome to Radio Free New York. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host of the day, and I believe I'm joined by Bob Savage. I believe. I believe. Oh, good. You know, I have to I have to take it on faith because I, I can't see you. I can't look at you. But I believed, and it was true. Yes. See there? That's <laughs> what happens when you have faith, ladies and gentlemen. You have Savage right in your lap. <laughs> Hooray? Yeah. Right? What? <laughs> Wait, I don't what? know if I want faith now. Uh, yeah, no, you're not really selling me on it, Bob. Yeah, that's all right. That's Bob, okay. Just fun and nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. That's what we bring to the show occasionally. And But, Bob, I haven't, I haven't talked to you in forever. I, th- I think it's been quite a while since you and I have been uh, on, on the show uh, together. It's I don't know. It's been a couple of weeks at least. It's been too long. Too long. Too long. Bob, I've missed you. I run in the studio every day at noon and slap on the headphones just on the off chance that I'll be called into action, but uh, it was not to be, at least not till today. So this is a red-letter day. That's right, and it's a good day. And, man, there's so much for us to talk about. Uh, we, we have uh, a few different things going on from uh, uh, people starting to figure out that maybe Governor Cuomo's response to the uh, whole COVID-19 thing wasn't the best to uh, there's a – Police departments in New York who are starting to get upset with enforcing the social distancing rules and many, many more things. And, uh, you know, I, and actually, I kind of want to lead with that because you, you uh, brought to my attention this uh, article from PJ Media about Governor Cuomo. And uh, do you, you want to let me know what, what you found in that article? Well, yeah, it's, I, I uh, read it yeah, it's kind, of a, kind of a critique on uh, uh, Cuomo's uh, performance because uh, with, as regards uh, COVID, I mean, there's a lot of raw material we could go to there, but this is COVID-specific. And uh, it's, it's kind of a response to the fact that the mainstream medium is, the media is now they're, – they're all licking their chops about the prospect of Andrew being presidential timber because uh, they – probably accurately recognize that uh, uh, Joe Biden is dead candidate walking. Uh, they want to get him out. Whether or not he's going to make it through the convention is uh, definitely an open question. But, uh, yeah, I can uh, dig into this a little bit. We can, you can jump in and we can, you can react, we can talk. But uh, good piece on PJ Media. The press has been gushing about the performance of New York Governor Andrew Cuomo for weeks. The media often compares Cuomo's decisive response to coronavirus to the president, and guess who always wins? Uh, whether it's good PR from the governor's office or just the media worshiping a liberal who says mean things about Donald Trump, it hardly matters. What matters is results. And in that department, Andrew Cuomo has been a miserable failure using several metrics. Uh, for example, back in March, you remember uh, Andy was saying he needed thirty to 40,000 ventilators. Got to have them. And uh, when Trump pointed out that that was silly, he accused the president of being an unfeeling monster. So uh, what happened? Well, I can't remember the exact number. Maybe you do, Kevin. 
the number of ventilators that uh, Donald Trump sent to New York. But what we know is that by the middle of April, New York was sending ventilators to other states. Yeah. I mean, just just a couple weeks after saying, you know, we, we have a crisis and we need the national government to step in and nationalize ventilator production and all this stuff, we're, we're sending stuff back, which is great news. Right. But also, you know, makes Governor Cuomo look a little bit silly, like he's uh, doing this for political points rather than uh, taking an honest evaluation of the situation at hand. Right. And uh, PJ, again, said uh, he they characterized uh, Andrew's uh, plea as panicky, sometimes hysterical, whining about the federal government, specifically the president, of course, it's Trump's fault, for not doing anything to help the states with getting medical supplies. But Trump has been extremely generous, uh, you know, if if anything, in sending whatever Andrew Cuomo wanted. I mean, uh, first of all, uh, the, there was federal uh, FEMA, was it FEMA funds, I think it was, that were used to yeah. build the, the Javits Center Hospital with 2,000 beds that I think at its peak had maybe 100 patients. And then he had the hospital ship that set sail. That was a 1,200-bed hospital ship set sail after treating 179 patients. Yeah. I mean, I'm not it, saying it's, it's good that, that, you know, I mean, it's, it's great that, they, that all those beds weren't needed. I don't, I don't want uh, anybody to think, you know, uh, ill of uh, my analysis of that. But, uh, but still, I mean— it was just a little disingenuous for the governor to, to point at Trump and say that he's an unfeeling monster. No, and and I think there's plenty to critique from the the federal government's response to the the COVID nineteen thing. But yeah, Governor Cuomo has had his share of mistakes, and it, it's frustrating to see how the national media is swooning over him. And we talk about that. There's there's people who are just obsessed with Governor Cuomo right now, and and. It's paying off in some ways, and I know that uh, you, you and Andrew did a show on the uh, Siena poll that happened last week, uh, or that came out last week, in Governor Cuomo's approval rating, and I think there's plenty to pick apart there, but it's they're, they're trying to position Governor Cuomo as this, this great leader in a time of crisis, but you know, as I always say, just because you're doing something and saying stuff and out in front of the public all the time doesn't mean you're doing something useful and that you're leading the nation in a, a, or, or your state in a good direction, and I think there's plenty to pick apart about Governor Cuomo's response from his uh, overreaction from his political posturing to and in this the article gets into it later in it the the nursing home thing uh, oh that's that's horrible it's awful I don't know if you caught today they they found I don't know hundreds of more uh, patients dead in nursing homes in New York City but uh, yeah I mean just the numbers crunching the numbers here uh, New York as of today has 1900 415 deaths. That's about 30% of the national total. Well, a little less. Uh, 69,680 nationally. And we have a high population density in New York State, but so does California, where uh, they have twice as many people and 2,254 deaths versus 19,415. Yeah, no, it's 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 awful. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know how we can look at this situation in, in the way that Governor Cuomo initially reacted as quite Bill, Bill de Blasio initially reacted to this crisis and then how they they approach the nursing home issue. You know, bodies are piling up and, and, you know, just again, just because Governor Cuomo's gotten to this crisis stance and, and people are afraid and they want someone who appears strong in there, they're, they're, they're elevating them in this way. But, you know, we, we can't look away from the fact that New York is one of the worst hit, and part of the reason why it's one of the worst hit places because our political leaders were incompetent. Right. 
I mean, uh, first of all, you know, let's turn back the hands of time here. March 20th, uh, Cuomo didn't lock down the state until that date, March 20th, when there were 3,000 cases of COVID-19. And um, Bill de Blasio, of course, uh, had the authority to uh, close schools after most major cities had already shuttered schools. Finally, he got around to it. And meanwhile, New Yorkers are getting sick and many eventually died. So this is competence. This is decisiveness. These are the questions asked by the PJ Media um, uh, article, and it's a good one. Yeah, and and again, this is this is a crisis that is mostly centered around New York City. And I want to talk about like what Governor Cuomo is doing to uh, take a more regional approach finally to this crisis, but there, there's some issues I have with that too. But, you know, we're, we're looking at like what, what the governor said in terms of uh, nursing homes. Uh, former uh, Governor George Pataki is calling for an investigation of Andrew Cuomo because of nursing home policies where they made nursing homes take patients who are sick with COVID-19. Yeah, COVID positive. And, and it was completely unnecessary because in the meantime, you had all these hospital beds that were vacant, not just in the Javits Center and on the, I can't remember which ship it was in New York, whether it was the, the Hope comfort? Or, or the Comfort. Uh, yeah. You know, you, you had all these beds just, to, you know, like basically, and medical personnel begging for patients, looking for something to do. And we're, we're ordering these patients back into nursing homes, which are ill-equipped to deal with this uh, pandemic? Yeah, for the most vulnerable population. This is the population that may actually need some extra protection from this thing. And we're putting sick, pe sick people in the same buildings as, as the, the most vulnerable people. Well, meanwhile, as you pointed out, hospitals had tons of extra capacity, so much extra capacity, in fact, because they weren't able to do elective surgeries, that they are cutting staff. They're cutting staff in hospitals. When, the, when there's plenty of hospital beds, particularly in upstate hospitals, uh, there, there's the ability to do this. Instead, we're sending people back to these nursing homes and causing more sickness, causing more death. It's an awful thing, and I, I don't know how – well, I know how. Partisanship's a heck of a thing. But I don't know how people can look at, at Governor Cuomo and not see rank irresponsibility here. And we'll talk more about that and what Governor Cuomo is doing next uh, right here on Radio Free New York after the break. You're listening to Radio Free New York. All right. Welcome back to Radio Free New York. Thanks again for joining us today. Uh, we are live noon to one on WYSL. And if you want to participate in the discussion, we're always happy to talk to you. Give us a call, 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. Give us a call. And thanks, everyone, who's listening online as well on our Facebook pages, on Twitter, on YouTube, all those. And, of course, a rebroadcast on WENY, The Patriot, and WACK out in Newark. I'm joined by Bob Savage today. We're discussing uh, Governor Cuomo's response to COVID-19. In retrospect, not looking so great. Hmm. I just want to toss a miscellaneous item out here too. Uh, he's been uh, he's been bragging in recent days uh, about this little deal he's made with neighboring states. You know, the, where we've got this kind of confederation of northeastern uh, uh, blue states, of course, all deep blue, uh, yeah. New Jersey, Connecticut, uh, Maryland, uh, Pennsylvania, so forth, uh, for the purpose of, I don't know, buying ventilators and masks. It's, it looks to me as the COVID, you know, illness and death toll drops, there's going to be less need for that kind of thing as opposed to more. I mean, I'm always in favor of the state saving money on stuff, but there's a little technical problem, Andrew, that, you know, I'm sure you're probably aware of. Uh, about the states all getting together. And by the way, this is also happening on the left coast, 
with uh, California, Washington, Oregon. Uh, and that is a uh, little thing called the U.S. Constitution. Um, then, you think uh, there's a barrier to that? Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's a thing. In, uh, it's, uh, the, the, the Constitution takes a dim view of the states getting together and kind of like forming political or economic alliances because last time that happened was, uh, I believe it was 1861 to 65. And uh, that... Uh, that sounds like some obscure event. Bob. Yeah, pro- I can't see how that's a problem. It was a, there's, there's a little bit of a problem about that period when some states just decided that they wanted to do things on their own. So we uh, turn in our pocket constitution, which, by the way, you can get for free with a stamp self-addressed envelope to the station. Uh, section 1, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, Article 1, Section 10, no state shall enter into any treaty, alliance, or confederation. So I just... Uh, Thanks, Andy. Yeah. Uh, I, I know right the, Constitution, Constitution. the Constitution is, I know, an alien thing to you, but there it is. Yeah, I mean, he, he'd have to read it first to know he's violating it. Mm, yeah. And, or, that, and that, therein's the problem. Or care about it. Yeah. Yeah, even if he read it, who cares? <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, no, that's actually, you know, that's something I haven't thought a lot about uh, is how, you know, is this a legal arrangement for states to be able to, to cooperate in this way to be able to get supplies? Well, it's, um, it's illegal as long as you don't mind it being unconstitutional. I mean, it's legal as long as you don't. I mean, or is it illegal if it's unconstitutional? Probably is. Did, yeah. Didn't you go to law school? I did. Yeah, I, I, you know, <laughs> I'm you just, know this more than me. It's kind of dawning on me that uh, this is not the, the the states are not supposed to do this. Yeah, no, that, that's a that's a great point. Yeah, again, I haven't I haven't thought about that much, but that's not really how that's supposed to work. And I mean. It, <laughs> You, you could always take the other solutions, either the states go out on their own or we let private industry do that, which is my preference, or you know, you we have go. the federal government do it. But <laughs> free market. Wow, what a free concept. Market. I know. What a concept that, that maybe uh, the individual hospital systems know what they need to get and want to go out and get it, and uh, it would be better and incentivize producers to create more products if we had uh, some of these competing interests in there. Oh, okay. and That's crazy talk, Kevin. Come on. Top down is the way to go, man. Yeah, that's the only way we can do that. All the Democrats want to give the power to the Trump administration to manage the crisis, which they also don't trust and think they've screwed up the crisis. So, you know, figure out that logic. No, I, I, <laughs> I don't think I have the horsepower to do that. Yeah, no, no, no one does. If you think too hard, it's going to give you a headache. Not just you, just all of us. Uh, you know, I, and I want to read off some comments because we're getting some comments online, too. Uh, you know, Robert says uh, Cuomo can do whatever he wants. He's just hedging his bets. If he locks down for as long as possible, he's a lifesaver. And the economic destruction is Trump's problem. He can continue to destroy industry and look like a golden boy. That's uh, yeah, that's an interesting point. I, I don't know if there's going to be any. You know, I'm, certainly we've talked about that a lot on Radio Free New York uh, about how Governor Cuomo is responsible for a lot of the economic destruction that we're seeing and that it is worth exploring opening up more parts of the economy to let businesses operate safely and let consumers uh, be able to, to get the stuff that they need, let people get you know haircuts because barbers are able to, to wear protective equipment and, and be able to offer haircuts, all that type of stuff. Which Governor Cuomo is starting to lean towards now, but um, it'll be cur- it'll be interesting to see in a couple years when the election happens if he's going to get any blowback for all of this response, not just the direct virus response, but the economic consequences of his ham-fisted policy that doesn't treat uh, regions as as unique uh, areas who can address the virus differently than New York City. Uh, other comments though, Corey says, "Love the hat." 
Um, and Robin Wilson says should be investigated. I think she was uh, responding to the uh, nursing home thing. Oh, yeah. And then Garrett, yeah. And then Garrett says, uh, instead of county by county, I believe the reopen plan is economic development regions, which, uh, you know, screws counties like uh, Chautauqua and Cattaraugus, grouping them in with Erie. You know, Western New York is kind of all together um, in one big lump. And, yeah, that's kind of a problem. If, you, if you're in a county like uh, Chautauqua or um, Cattaraugus County, then your situation is much different than Erie County. Buffalo's being hit pretty hard, but the rest of New York isn't quite the same. And here uh, where I live in Monroe County, it's, it's a bit different than where Bob is down in Livingston County. Right. I mean, the, the Rochester's lumped in. You know, you're talking about these economic development uh, regions. Uh, Rochester, the city, is lumped in with the Finger Lakes. What? That makes no sense. Yeah, I mean, and again, there's there's multiple hospital systems within the Finger Lakes, too. Like, the, the, the Rochester area hospitals aren't necessarily the same hospital systems that are going on in, uh, you know, other parts of the Finger Lakes, where, you know, you have, like, Geneva, which is its own thing. You have Canandaigua, which is kind of its own thing. You have, you know, going out to... I'm trying to remember how far out it goes. Does it go out to, like, Auburn? Does it go out to, like, Cuyahoga County, yeah. too? Yeah, the Finger Lakes are yeah. in there. So you've got um, – uh, now, Syracuse, of course, is part of central New York, uh, which right. which uh, paradoxically extends up into the Adirondacks. So that, that doesn't make sense either. But, I mean, in the Finger Lakes, you've got uh, hospitals in Penyan, uh, in um, – uh, I don't know if there's one in – I don't think there is one in Auburn. Not, maybe there is. I don't know. I have to check that out, but uh, uh, yeah, there, there's a hospital in Auburn. I think that okay. one might actually be in Central New York, though, which is right. its own thing, right? So these um, are arbitrary uh, regions, and uh, really, what, what uh, needs to happen is economic decision making needs to be made on the most local level possible. Regional doesn't make any more sense than doing it from the state. But then again, I repeat myself because really the decisions that are made in these economic regions are dictated by Albany. Yeah, pretty much. They, they lump them together into these arbitrary re regions and, you know, don't take into account how people move and interact with one another. It, it, it just, again, it's a, it's a top-down solution that seems like it's a bit more reasonable, but when you start to dig into it, you start to realize that, well, maybe this doesn't make sense. Again, you know, why are we treating, um, you know, some of these rural counties uh, down in the southwestern portion of New York the same as Erie County? Because what the governor has decided to do is that he's decided to set opening criteria that's based on the actual infection levels, which which I don't think is a terrible thing. I think that's a, a, a good way to go to think about how can we uh, reduce risk uh, if there's an area that has a ton of infection. Again, you, you look at, you know, Manhattan, Brock, uh, you know, Brooklyn, places like that, the, the, the New York City area, they really are hit very hard. Um, but it, it's not quite the same in some of these areas of upstate New York. You know, Binghamton's not the same thing as, as the Bronx. It's We need to take, you know, a more granular approach to this. You can cooperate across regions. You can, uh, you know, encourage good behavior if you're worried about people getting sick, you know, and, and clearly some people are getting sick. They are dying. Uh, that, you know, I'm not dismissing that, but what I am saying is that, you know, we need to take a smarter approach that decentralizes the knowledge and takes into account what the actual situation on the ground is. And instead, we have these really high benchmarks in order for people to start getting back to work safely. Yeah, those are unattainable benchmarks, too. When you're talking about whatever the numbers are for testing, for example, uh, that's, that's just not going to happen. People are not going to line up 
in the Walmart parking lot on Hudson Avenue to get their finger pricked every two weeks by somebody they have no idea who they are. They're in a moon suit out there. And you stick your, you're going to stick your hand out the window and have somebody stick your finger and get blood samples every two weeks. And then you're going to have uh, some of, this is uh, Andrew Cuomo's own description, by the way, his army of tracers, uh, trackers, to uh, contact everybody that you've had contact with in case you t- test uh, positive. Not going to happen. Yeah, and it's, it's unnecessary for a lot of people. Like, for me, it's like, why would I go and get an antibody test? I haven't shown any symptoms. I haven't been out much. Like, it's not really worth it to do that. But what they set is all these benchmarks. They have seven different criteria. You've already kind of talked about the, the testing one. And what it says is that there needs to be 30 tests for every 1,000 res- residents per month. Right. And that's, that's, that's a lot. That's not going to happen. And, and, uh, and, and, what's, and the upshot of the whole thing is to surrender your privacy, that's going to occur to people as well. I mean, you might get some people to do it once, but remember, you got to go back and do it every two weeks now uh, because uh, you could be reinfected. It, 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 and what this is, it's, it's the equivalent of the, the shtick in the Monty Python, the Holy Grail, you know, uh, you, you must fast. Cut down the greatest tree in the forest with a herring. <laughs> the knight's knee. Yeah, the knight's knee. I mean, that's, uh, that's <laughs> they, uh, you know, I mean, uh, Andrew Cuomo is kind of an unfunny version of John Cleese. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it, we'll, we'll dig into some of those uh, criteria when we get back from the break. But thanks again for ev- uh, everyone for listening to Radio Free New York today. We are going to be back in just a couple minutes talking more about Governor Cuomo's reopen plan. Talk to you soon. Radio Free New York, proud to have you with us there on The Patriot down in Elmira, 1230 and 1450 AM, 106.9. And uh, over there in the northern Finger Lakes, visit the eastern Syracuse, central New York region, Rochester, whatever, um, WACK, 1420 and 96.9 FM. listening to Radio Free New York. All right. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host for today, joined by Bob Savage. And we are talking about dear leader Cuomo, who is, uh, of course, you know, leading our state. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did, did you catch his, uh, his, his quote the other day where he, he was, uh, okay, this is the masks on. thing? He's <laughs> He's saying that uh, how he was going on and on about how irresponsible it is for people to go around and not wear masks and how he wants local police to enforce, you know, write people tickets and arrest folks yeah. for not wearing. He said, you could literally kill someone, literally kill someone for not wearing a mask. You know, maybe I would take that more seriously if he ever wore a mask to any of his press conferences. Right. But I don't think I've seen that yet. Andrew Cuomo, you could literally kill someone. That's right. <laughs> it's like a laughable statement. Yeah, my, my goodness. Like you know, again, I when I go in public, I wear a mask. Like I, you know, I, I get how it can help with the uh, stopping the spread of transmission, but like it's the, the rules don't apply to them, and that's what's frustrating to me. It's like, man, if you want people to take this seriously, if you're going to use state violence against people to enforce a mask rule, 
my goodness, you should be wearing a mask whenever you're out in public. And he is almost never wearing a mask. I think the only time I've seen Governor Cuomo wear a mask is when he did the spray in the subway thing. He did that photo op for that. I think that's the only time I've seen him in a mask. Well, he's sitting on the dais right now. He, he, the uh, TV uh, extravaganza, the Daily Cuomo Show, is on. And uh, there's all co- – oops, he's getting up and leaving already. Look at that. Wow, this oh. is a short one today. Uh, but uh, they're all socially distant on that set. You know, they're like six feet apart. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, I just think that, you know, he shouldn't be arresting people who are trying to do the same thing in a park. Well, you had a, you, you had a piece there from about New York City police who are not delighted about this, right? Yeah. No, I did. Uh, so actually, the, the New York City Police Benevolence Association released a statement today on social distancing. Uh, so this is uh, New York City Police because a video came out uh, earlier this week. I think it was just a couple of days ago, maybe over the weekend, where it was uh, police officers who were trying to enforce the social distancing rules. Some people uh, gave some uh, attitude about it. You know, they're just kind of trying to mind their own business and, and they're you know, getting harassed, and some people end up getting tased. There's a guy who ended up with a knee on his head. It's just not a good look for them, uh, for the police. And, you know, obviously, if you're on the other end of that, that's not great either. You know, we don't – I I don't want to see police having to do that, and I don't want people to be on the other end of that. But anywho, let me read the statement. It says, this situation is untenable. The NYPD needs to get cops out of the social distancing and forcing business altogether uh, and then the cowards who run this city have given us nothing but vague guidelines and mixed messages, leaving the cops in the street corners to fend for ourselves. Nobody has the right to interfere with the police action, but now that the inevitable backlash has arrived, they are once again throwing us under the bus. So they're mm-hmm. throwing the police officers on the bus for a vague policy coming from both the, the state and uh, city governments down there, which we knew were, was going to happen. We've been talking about – uh, this happening on the show for a while now. We knew as soon as you put these laws into place that that you get enforcement for social distancing and you get enforcement for the mask laws, as soon as you start seeing that happen, this is the inevitable consequence is that you're going to get police officers who are put in a position where they either don't enforce the law, they don't enforce it equally, or you know they, they enforce the law and it looks really bad for them. Yeah. Sooner or later, socialism always comes down to the point of a gun. That's uh, that's uh, that's the terminus of uh, of totalitarian authority because people resist. And uh, pretty soon you get uh, the options dwindle away until somebody is sticking a muzzle in your face. We have Jim from Rochester on the line here on Radio Free New York. Hey, Jim. Well, I was uh, laughing at my uh, governor, as I do every day, and uh, he was mentioning about threatening his health if you don't wear a mask. But yet... Here's a man who releases criminals so they don't catch the COVID and they're quarantined in the first place. You have uh, unvetted illegals that could be quite dangerous. Uh, You're encouraging them to pour into your state. You're encouraging illegals from the third world to pour into New York City, which may have something to do with this orchestrated COVID outbreak in New York. And you're looking to take the Second Amendment away from me protecting myself, but I could be harming the governor. Is this guy such a butthead, or what is the deal with this globalist agent? Because all Cuomo is is a Gestapo mafia New World Order chief in the Albany Bureau, is all this guy is. Hey, Jim, you know, if you keep this up, you're going to give Kevin and me the impression that you're not a fan of Cuomo. You know? No, he, he, he is absolutely a New World Order globalist Gestapo agent, is what this guy is, as many of your Democrat leaders are. Well, all right. Yeah, Kevin, no, reaction? I mean, well, you know, we're, we're we're definitely not fans of Andrew Cuomo here, that's for sure. And you know, again, that you, you made a couple good points uh, there, Jim, and I and I appreciate it. And you know, we 
are seeing our Second Amendment rights taken away in New York State, you know, and, and at the same time, we're seeing the state crack down on a bunch of stuff. You know, to, to me, like, I'd rather have, like, the ability to, to have free movement among people and to just have people take responsibility uh, for, for their own personal safety, the, the safety of their health and uh, of their family and themselves. And that's what we should really be doing is just focusing on that. How do we empower people with good information to be able to take care of themselves and their families? And part of that means is, you know, protecting yourself medically. And part of that means protecting yourself economically, being able to get back to work. And part of that means uh, being able to defend yourself, too, that if there is, you know, crime on the street, you're worried about people who are in desperate situations, you should have the right to defend yourself at all times. And that means having the right to bear arms. All right. There's one last point I'd like to bring up, if I could, is that I would like to ask business owners out there, because I used to run a contracting company, uh, with all this shutdown and folks that can't work, are businesses still being asked to pay their New York State compensation to Albany on employees that they aren't paying right now? Has Cuomo furloughed the insurances of the New York State Insurance Compensation Fund, or is that breaking business, too? Yeah, good question. That's a good yeah. question. If I, anybody I know knows, yeah, give us a call, 346-3000. Jim, thanks for the call. Good call. Appreciate that. 346-3000, or if you're listening uh, uh, outside of the immediate calling area, 866-552-1009, Kevin. Yeah, no, uh, yeah thank you. I, I always forget to mention that other number, so thank you. Uh, you know, we... But but you know we're we're in a situation where the the governor's actions are inconsistent. They don't make sense. They make people worry, and we see how you know there there's all these different competing forces within uh, the Democratic Party to to want to both overreact and underreact to treat people differently. You know, and I and I get how people are concerned about the there's there are significant outbreaks going on in the jails right now. You know, but but also like releasing people uh, arbitrarily kind of feels odd and strange and, and possibly endangering the safety of our communities as well. I, I generally favor that, too. I generally think like, OK, like, well, if we're going to release people, my, my question for that is, why wouldn't we do that before? If they were safe enough to, to go out on the street now, then why are we why were we keeping them in jail in the first place? If they weren't dangerous, then what are we doing? Why, why are they here? Instead, you know, we have people who are in environments where they may become infected, and now they're out in the community, and you get more community spread. The, 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 the logic of what Governor Cuomo is doing here is, is hard to follow. And when people get confused and upset, you know, that's, that's when we, we get uh, more serious situations. And I think that's what, you know, stemming from the – or that what, that's what leads to people wanting to do those Open Up New York protests because, again, we see an inconsistent, failed response from Governor Cuomo, and what else can you expect from that? by people but other than people starting to get upset and i think we're going to start to see more of that as the weeks go on especially as you know people are starting to say man is this even making any more sense is this really keeping us safer or is this just uh, the a politician looking like they want to do something to take charge oh no question about it i mean uh, all you have to do is go let's rewind back to march and the the beginning uh, point of this of this uh, this alleged hyped crisis uh, we had uh, the C- the CDC out there. First of all, they, you know, I mean, inconsistency. Thy name is COVID. All right. Yeah. For the first thing they say is, oh, don't wear masks. No, what, masks don't help. And then an immediate about face within forty eight hours. Oh, everybody's got to wear a mask now. Well, which is it? I mean, what data yeah. set were you referring to before? It's the old. Were you lying then, or are you lying now? Exactly. And, you know, and that's, uh, you know, we, we had done a whole episode on this, on the concept of the noble lie, right? Like, it seems like what they were trying to do is to not get people to make a run on the mat on medical masks 
so then they would be available to hospitals. So they told people you don't really need a mask. But then that backfires now where they're saying, oh, no, actually, like, you should have masks. So again, are you lying before or are you lying now? And you've created this trust. And it's hard to win back. Yeah, that's right. Uh, people uh, very deservedly question. And then then we have we haven't even gotten into the cooking of the COVID numbers. Yeah, but say we'll, we'll talk more about uh, that and some of the other state responses here in a few minutes on Radio for New York. Radio Free New York. All right, welcome back to Radio Free New York. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host for today, joined by the amazing Bob Savage. Ahoy, matey. Yeah, and, and of course, uh, thanks everyone for listening today online. I do have a few uh, comments I want to get to. Uh, Jim uh, on Twitter is saying that I didn't think Cuomo or Trump did that bad of a job. All right, Jim, you're entitled to your opinion. All right. No, I appreciate it. No, I, you know, it's, it's always uh, uh, interesting to hear from, from people who uh, think that Cuomo and, and Trump did a, a great job responding to all of this. And, uh, you know, if you, if you feel that way, again, give our station a call or, or leave a comment online. We're happy to read that off. I'm, uh, I'm skeptical, but I appreciate your comment. Um, yeah, so, so we were talking about, oh, what were we, you know, we we're, we're talking about some of the, the, the ways that, that government agencies have fostered mistrust uh, before the break. And, you know, something I, I, I think I've said this before, but I, but it bears repeating is that we should be skeptical of government all the time. Like, don't necessarily trust what they're going to say. Go look for independent uh, corroboration for whatever that the government is saying, particularly when what they're saying is in service of uh, centralizing power in them, centralizing power in politicians. And, and we see that a lot, particularly with Governor Cuomo, where most of the stuff he says uh, is like, well, okay, trust me, and here's what you need to do. It doesn't necessarily mean they're wrong. Just you got to make sure it's backed up by something. You know, again, I'm not one of those guys like, all right, if the government says it, that it's a lie. Well, no, sometimes they're telling the truth <laughs> on purpose or not. But, but other times, like, you know, Man, uh, when when the government is saying, you know, when, when Governor Cuomo uh, enacted the the law and, and the legislature enacted the law to to give him power to be able to suspend laws and to create new laws, like that that's a very dangerous thing. And and we're in a situation where where the governor has created or suspended hundreds of laws at this point, all in service of centralizing power to himself. You know, under the guise of responding to the coronavirus. And I'm not saying that it's not. Uh, a serious crisis, but what I am saying is that holy cow, we have a dictator in New York State, and that is something to be alarmed by. Yeah, there's a, a continuum of uh, of severity, and uh, I understand that uh, you know, reasonable minds can differ on the severity of of COVID. But you look at the numbers, and the numbers uh, do not support the arguments which have historically been made, and that trend is increasing uh, with the uh, with the passage of time. Uh, the uh, first of all, we were we were told we, we had the death projections and we know that those were wildly inaccurate. And now they're they're uh, they're they're uh, doubling down on that again. Now they're saying, yeah. well, you're going to see this this massive spike in these cases once again this summer. Well, if that were to happen, that would be the first time ever in the history of, you know, tracking viral infections, because that's just not the way viruses act. They mutate, and then they kind of, like, taper off. And, yes, it's true that these various different strains never go away. I mean, like most of us have had the 1918 influenza 
you know, pandemic of uh, 100 uh, years ago. Uh, we've had that. Uh, most of us have come down with a flu, and that's what that is. And a lot of people have had swine flu, and a lot of people have had an avian flu. Uh, they don't uh, completely disappear, but they become less and less of a health concern. The same will almost certainly be true, and the you know scientific evidence thus far bears this out when it comes to uh, COVID-19. Yeah, it'll probably eventually become endemic, right? It'll just be something that's part of the population, and and we don't know how things are going to affect it. Like, is the warm weather going to make everything go away? You know, what's happening in, in Texas and Georgia right now as places are starting to open up? we got to watch that really closely. Um, you know, and, and in terms of deaths, like, I think in some areas it seems like people are overcounting. In other areas they might be undercounting. Like, we're seeing some areas where, like, the actual number of deaths are much higher than usual. And we see that in New York City. And, well, well we that's see- largely because of the nursing homes. Yeah, and it's because people really are dying of this uh, virus, in, in in part because of botched state and local policy. But then we have other areas of the state. In Monroe County, there are many fewer people dying than normal, which is its own set of interesting circumstances, right? right. Uh, so, it, but I, I don't think like they're they're just not counting dead people. That that's one metric that you can actually count on. You can know how many people actually died. You can look at that and say, okay, is it higher or lower than normal? And in areas where it's higher, then you know maybe that's that's a a consequence of, of a virus ripping through an area and in areas where it's lower. Well, that's, that's another interesting result too. You know, did we save lives or, or, or what? You yeah. Know, but- there also has to be, I, I think there has to be an inquiry made into the guidelines which are issued. And these are come, these flow all the time from the CDC, right? The center for disease right. control and guidelines for coding deaths, uh, whether that should be COVID or not are unprecedented. Because uh, there's a, a, a strong, um, a, a prevalent uh, prejudice in favor of uh, diagnosing people with uh, as with COVID as a cause of death, which uh, you know it's a lot of it is really based on ex- extremely subjective criteria and conjecture. Yeah, and and so there's some financial incentives too. So there there is something to this. I'm I'm skeptical of the argument that that the number of COVID deaths are being wildly overcounted. But there is something to the fact that, that hospitals who are treating uh, someone who is suspected of being infected with coronavirus uh, do get more funding uh, in response to that, that patient being um, uh, sick with that particular illness. So there's a lot of uh, incentive to do that. And not all the people who die are tested for coronavirus. Many are listed as suspected of being uh, infected with coronavirus. Yeah, presumed. Think, yeah. Yeah, presumed. Yeah, thank you. And and so in, in that sort of situation, you know, what, what we want, in, and I know why they're not doing this, they're, they're not testing the people who died of that because they think at, after, you know, they've died, it, it's less important to understand whether or not they uh, had coronavirus. Uh, but at the same time, you know, we are now getting skepticism of the number of people who are dying because we have all these People who have died who are, are presumed to be infected with coronavirus, but we don't know that for sure. We have no idea if they are or were actually sick with coronavirus. So now, again, we create mistrust because we have unreliable data, and the government is going out very confidently saying, like, this is what it is. Right. It's not the scientists who are out doing this. The scientists are waffle and stuff. They make terrible politicians. But but the, the government and the politicians going out and saying, like, look, this is what the crisis is, and they – are exaggerating the situation sometimes to 
make people uh, respond more effectively, but other times to consolidate their own power. And again, that's that's using fear is a very dangerous weapon because if it turns out that you are exaggerating the situation or outright lying about the situation, you've eroded trust. And when you do really need to get people to respond in a certain way for their own safety, you've now eroded that trust to the point where you're ineffective in getting people to respond effectively. And this is a, like wearing a mask. Yeah. Yeah. Wearing a mask. And, and uh, by the way, this, this is the same, this is the same line of reasoning that applies to the same approach uh, like, for example, with uh, plastic bags, that issue that came out earlier this year. Right. The, the, the political left always wants us to sit back and just, you know, take the word of the technocrats who, you know, because these are the experts, the state-anointed experts who know what's best for all of us. So we'll have a better life if we just uh, allow that decision to pass from the realm of common sense and common experience, and also, by the way, from science, which is ironic because the left is always constantly harping on how everything has to be based in science, and then they turn around and they do stuff like presume COVID uh, diagnoses uh, when uh, people have been completely untested. Uh, but uh, that's this. This is the model. This is the the governance model of the political left, and one that we should be extremely suspicious of. Yeah, I mean, and there's a, a long history of doing that. You know, in, in, in totalitarian regimes everywhere, it's just that there, there ends up being a crisis of expertise because the experts have aligned with the state to uh, <laughs> say things that don't make sense. And there, there's a, a fascinating and horrifying history of why the, the famines happened in the USSR because scientists uh, would promote their expertise in a way that would encourage really bad crop planting they, they had this, this bizarre nature of, of collectivism of crops that ended up not working at all but they were more in line with the ideology so that's what they promoted and it's just absolutely insane uh, maybe, maybe we'll have to do a whole episode on that because it's bonkers because there's a crisis of expertise in our country where a lot of people are skeptical of the experts and the reason why is because they've often aligned with the state to consolidate power and kind of forsaken maybe what the best interest of, of science is in some situations. No, not, not everywhere, just in some situations, and that's why we have a crisis of expertise. Well, yeah, and the most glaring example, recent example of that is uh, you have the totalitarian regime in China uh, yeah. and uh, the way that they dealt with the Wuhan virus. I mean, these were the smart people. We were assured that, they, oh, they know what they're doing. Yeah. No, I I don't know how anyone can trust a single thing that comes out of the, the Chinese Communist Party at this point. Uh, why why are American news stations reporting what they say as if it were based in fact at all? Because they uh, okay. contradict President Trump, probably. Yeah, there's a political motive, right? That's what it is. If, it, if it's against Trump, then it's good. But, oh, man, we, we ran out of time. We had so many great topics today. Uh, this is awesome. Bob, we got to do this more often. Absolutely. All right, thanks again for joining us here on Radio Free New York. Uh, Andrew will be back tomorrow. White House Wednesday.